Friend Day 2020, unlike any Friend Day we've had uh, so far. Um, as I was looking back at the calendar and uh, trying to uh, figure out what was going on, I noticed that today uh, was the day that we were supposed to have our Friend Day. Uh, so I'm going to encourage you to, to like, to share, to, to any way that you can uh, get the news out um, about Jesus Christ. Uh, because that's what Friend Day was all about. I remember the first year uh, starting Friend Day, and we were hoping to get um, 100 people or so here. Um, and then it went up to 200, and then 250, and 300. Um, and last year, we had uh, over 500. Uh, this year, we were going to shoot for 600. Uh, but with the online uh, that we're doing, uh, we're going to reach 3,000. So God is using this to do uh, some amazing things. Um, the only other thing that you need to do besides liking and sharing this is you're going to have to make your own fish uh, this year. Uh, we're not going to feed you. Um, but as I was thinking about the friend day and the church and all that's going on uh, right now, um, I, I love the book of Acts and I think about the early church and the way that, the, the way that it was started and the way that it began to uh, grow and, and move and the, the commission that Jesus gave over and over again in the scripture was telling his followers that, hey, you need to go into all the world and, and make disciples. You need to go baptize people from every tongue and tribe and nation because telling them about me, this is what Jesus is saying, telling them about me is the most important thing in the world. And they did that. And they got persecuted for it. And in Acts chapter 3, we have them arrested um, and put in jail. In Acts chapter 4, there's more persecution going on. In Acts chapter 5, uh, we got uh, Ananias and Sapphira like struck down dead for not giving correctly uh, to God or for lying about their gift. Um, and then in Acts chapter 6, um, something uh, happens. And there starts to be persecution from within the church even. There's people complaining and arguing. And I know if you've ever been to church for very long, you find that hard to believe. That people in the church would complain and argue about anything. Uh, but they were. And they were saying, hey, you know what? There are people uh, that, that aren't being fed. Like some of these widows aren't being taken care of. They're not being uh, given the proper amount of food. And so, so they're fighting. And the apostles all get together and they say, hey, you pick for yourself um, seven people, seven men uh, who are filled with the Holy Spirit to carry out this task, to take care of feeding the, the widows. And they do. And everybody is happy, right? No. There's greater persecution because these seven men who were assigned one job to, to feed the widows, like they're going and causing all kinds of trouble because they're proclaiming the name of Jesus. They were, they were going way above and beyond what they were called to do. And so in Acts chapter 7, you have Stephen getting stoned. And not Ken Mundy stoned. Like they would pick up rocks and throw it at him until he died. Like that is, that is crazy to me um, that, that, that that would happen. But it wasn't because he was feeding widows. It was because he was proclaiming the name of Jesus. And even as they're throwing rocks at him, and, and even as they're, they're killing him, he is standing there proclaiming to them who Jesus Christ is and what they've done to him and that they can still have forgiveness in, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we get to Acts chapter 8, and we see another one of those guys, Philip, who goes on an amazing journey of telling people about Jesus. 
you know, we make a big deal about discipleship and, and what is a disciple and, and where there's classes and there's all kinds of things that you can do to become a disciple. But, but I just want to tell you today, as we read the scripture, there are really three things that, that disciples do. And that is they, they give. We see that. Todd mentioned that in the, the, the giving talk time, that no believer had any need because the, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, were so generous in their giving. The, the second thing that, that we always see them doing throughout the scripture, uh, Jesus taught it over and over again. We see it carried out all throughout the New Testament is that they would serve. Like they were always serving. And the other thing that, that they always did, the third thing was that they always told people about Jesus. See, if you, if you serve and tell, but you don't give, then you're greedy. If you give and tell, but not serve, then nobody's going to listen to you because you're a jerk. As a disciple, as a follower of Christ, we have to do all three. three. So if you give and you serve, but you don't tell anybody about Jesus, then the problem is you're not really helping anybody. Because Jesus is the only way. And so today we're going to talk about evangelism. And evangelism is simply this. It's telling others about Jesus. And that's not a great idea. It's not a great concept. It is a command that was issued by Jesus Christ himself. And it's not easy. It does cause us to get uncomfortable. And people will think we're crazy for following a command of Christ like that. But nonetheless, we're still called and we're still empowered to do this. And I don't think what's going on right now in our country and in our world is persecution. I really don't. Now, many people would argue and disagree and say it's persecution against the church. But I watched a couple of videos this past week called Sheep Among Wolves about the church in Iran and how they're growing. And honestly, right now, if we were doing what we're doing... If I was preaching to you on video and you were watching this in your home on your devices through the internet, like they would track our IP addresses, they would come to our houses, they would drag us to a beach somewhere and they would cut off our head. That's persecution. What we're experiencing is an inconvenience. But here's what I know, is whether persecution or inconvenience, God uses situations like this, like what's going on in Iran, what was going on in Acts chapter 3, 4, 5, and 6, and 7, and 8. He uses those things to get the church out of their seats and into the streets. Because God didn't create us to only meet around on one day of week for an hour and sing some songs and say hi to everybody. He created us to make a difference in this world, and he's given us the power to do it. So we're going to talk about evangelism uh, this morning. And the first thing from Acts chapter 4, 8, verses 4 through 8, the first thing is this. Evangelism is a proclamation of Jesus Christ, period. Like evangelism is the proclamation of Jesus Christ, period. Um, one of the most ridiculous things I've heard in my life, and someone will get mad at me because they love this quote, but it's attributed to St. Francis. It says, preach the gospel at all, the at all times, and if necessary, use words. Like, I think that's dumb. Because pre preaching the gospel, God said in Romans 10, that it's through the word that people are saved. Listen, good deeds are never a bad thing. Like, we've got to give and we've got to serve. But please don't try to convince me that cutting someone's grass or paying for their coffee is evangelism, because it's not. 
The biblical definition of evangelism is when we proclaim Christ. And unfortunately, a cowardly church culture has turned it into a whole lot of things that Jesus never intended it to be. I was looking at some statistics from 1993, so they're old, and I I imagine the numbers are are way different now. But in 1993, only 10% of those who claim to follow Christ have ever told anyone else about Jesus. 90% of people who claim to follow Christ are failing to evangelize. They're failing to proclaim Christ. The Bible says in Acts 8-5 that Philip proclaimed Christ. In, in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says there is no other name by where we must be saved other than Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 2, 5 says there is one mediator, and we've been commissioned and commanded by Jesus with this responsibility. He said it in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. He said it in Mark uh, 16, 15. He said it in Luke 24, 54 through, uh, 45 through 48. He said it in John 20, 21. He said it in Acts 1, 8. He said it in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 17 through 21. That evangelism is that we go out and we proclaim Christ to the world. And in, in Acts chapter 8, 4 through 8, what we see is we see Philip, he's doing some great things. He's preaching in Samaria. He's healing people. He's driving out demons. He's having great success in his work and in his ministry. But what we see in number two is that evangelism will disrupt our normal routine. Like Philip was declaring Christ to the masses, but in Acts 8.26, God specifically speaks to him and leads him in another direction. And it says this, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to, to Gaza. One of the things we've got to understand is that when we are doing what God's called us to do, it's going to disrupt our normal routine. Like we have to get to a place where we are begging God to disrupt us. If we're going through life as everything is normal and everything is good and everything is okay, but we're not sharing Christ with anyone, like that's not a good thing. We need to get to a point where we say, God, Break our heart for what breaks yours. Break our heart for lost people. Break our heart for people who are far from you. We've got to do it. Uh, There's a great book uh, that you can read. Um, It's called Just Walk Across the Room. Um, And it's by a a minister who has gotten in trouble here recently, um, Bill Hybels. But but nonetheless, um, it's one of the best books I've ever read on on evangelism. Um, Number three is we need to understand that God is preparing the hearts of the people that he's prompting us to share Christ with. God's working ahead of us. Like he, he's, not, he's not behind. Check out Acts 8, 27 and 28. It says this, So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch. That was an important uh, official um, in charge. He was in charge of all of the treasure, treasury of, of Candake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. So Philip meets this important official. They probably couldn't have been any more different than any two other worlds. So this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. I think the reason that God sent Philip down this road is because he was already working on the heart of the Ethiopian eunuch. He's already working on the one that, that so desperately needed him. 
Please understand that we may never know what God is doing in someone's life when he's prompting us to share Christ with them. We may never know the work that he's already involved in. They may portray that they have it all together. They may portray that everything is is perfect or that they're not interested. But you never know what God is doing in their hearts. If God is prompting you to share Christ with someone, then listen, he's gone ahead of you already and he's prepared their heart for it. Fourth thing is this, be normal. Please be normal. There is nothing worse on the planet than the weird, crazy Christian who cannot speak. Just be normal. Look at what Philip in verses 29 and 30 said, The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet, and simply asked, do you understand what you are reading? Notice that he did not say, hello, hellbound sinner. Did you know that unless you repent of your sin and give your life to Jesus that you're going to fry in the devil's hell forever? He didn't scream. He didn't yell. He didn't hold up signs. He simply listened to the Spirit, ran to the chariot, like it does take some effort, and asked a simple question. Do you understand what you're reading? It's amazing opportunities that God puts, us in, puts in front of us every day. And when we see them and embrace them, then we simply need to be normal. Engage them in a conversation and communicate that we're interested in them and tell them what Christ has done for us. Fifth thing is this evangelism must come back around to a conversation about Christ. Now, I said that in the first point um, because it's the most important thing. That we are called to proclaim Christ. Notice in Acts chapter 8, 31 through 35, um, the Ethiopian eunuch says this, How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. That he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. And his humili- in, his, in his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. It's always got to come back to Jesus. We can't allow our conversations to get sidetracked with political and sociological issues. So many people that we want to talk about politics. What's the governor doing? What's the president doing? What's the house doing? What's the Senate doing? We want to get sidetracked with all of this other stuff that's going on in our life when we've been called and given one mission, and that's to proclaim Christ to the world. So we have to do whatever we can to bring it back around to Jesus. Please understand this. If Philip had simply said, um, I'm not going to share Christ with him, I'm just going to buy him a cup of espresso and give him a warm smile. Then we would have had nothing more than a caffeinated eunuch, like who felt good about himself. That's a bad story. But he heard about Jesus, and that day, that moment, he was baptized. And his life was changed forever. And the final thing, number six, is this. Evangelism isn't a one-time deal. 
You can't say, oh, well, I told this person about Jesus, or I led this person to Christ, or, or I shared Jesus with, with them. And um, It's not a one-time deal. Acts chapter 8, uh, 36 through 40, um, it's one of the coolest sections in the Bible. It says, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? Let's take a quick side note there. When you're proclaiming Christ to someone, you're obviously proclaiming baptism. You're obviously telling them that that's how we get united with Christ. It says, when they came up out of the water, the spirit suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch didn't see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. When they came up out of the water, Philip, however, appeared um, at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. The eunuch received Christ, he was baptized, and then God moves Philip to someone else to keep proclaiming Christ. But Philip's job wasn't done. Like We are never done with this. God has strategically placed each and every one of us in our places of work, in our neighborhoods, in the social situations that we're in. Listen, not for our comfort, but rather he placed us there with those relationships in mind so that we could share, so that we could proclaim Christ with them. It's not a one-time deal. It's a core of who we are as followers of Christ. That as disciples, that we've got to give, we've got to serve, but most importantly, we've got to tell others about Jesus. Because there are so many people in the world who are hurting, who are dying in their sin, that, that don't know Jesus. And we as the church, whether we're meeting here on Sunday morning or whether we're doing it in our homes and, and God has got us out of our seats and into the streets, it's our responsibility to share that Jesus Christ died for their sin. Listen, we may never remove someone from their earthly situation. There's always going to be poor. There's always going to be poverty. There's always going to be addiction. There's always going to be those things. But we can change their eternal circumstance that forever they can live in a place that Jesus is already preparing for us. So today, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, I would encourage you to tell others that it's not just a great idea, it's a command of Christ himself. Another thing, maybe you're watching today and you're outside of a relationship with Christ and you know, like you know that sin is killing you. You know that, that you don't have any opportunity apart from Christ. I would encourage you to reach out and let us connect with you so you find out what your next step is so that you can be united with him and that your eternal situation 